This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And once again, I am looking for a relaxing getaway vacation <laughs> on a nice island somewhere, Andrew. Did you, okay, so we talked about this last week, and did, did you go to the island that of Dr. Moreau that we talked about last week? Yeah, it, everything had been burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, there was evidence of some science that went awry. Yeah. Uh and seemed like some folks had been there for a while, but there wasn't anyone there when I got there. Not anyone who was willing to speak to me. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty relaxing time oh, they at did. an island where there, where you could get away from it all. It was, most of it. Yeah, it was <laughs> anyway. kind of scary, though. I, I saw mm-hmm. some creatures, and I when I looked at them, Andrew, it just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't okay. want to go well, back there. Can I go somewhere else? Can okay. So you did. You mentioned that you wanted to go to an island, but have you considered peninsulas as <laughs> a kind of as a landmass that you might be okay with, okay with visiting? Yeah, kind of like a beginner island. Like I'm not uh-huh. ready. Yeah, to be just like fully a, ensconced yeah. by ocean. Yeah, but on on like three sides, I would love to be surrounded by ocean on three sides. Yeah, I I'm up <laughs> I'm up for that. <laughs> okay, well. I feel like so. This is because so I am talking to you about the Yucatan Peninsula, ah, which has uh import, I guess, to this. It has relevance to this this week's book. That but but you read the book, and so I feel kind of weird continuing with the bit in this <laughs> in this case. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. So I read The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Uh, it is. A reimagining is the word I will use. A reimagining. Of um, the H.G. Wells story, The Island of Dr. Moreau, which Andrew read for last week. Um, That was, as we said in last week's episode, is kind of the reason we decided to do these two books was we had heard of this book and we hadn't read the other one. So here we are. And I, I considered Sylvia Moreno Garcia a friend of the show. Even oh, yes. She's never, because we, she wrote, also wrote Mexican Gothic, yep. which we have mentioned on the show and in our real lives like 400 times yep. since, True. We, since, since I read it. There, there are books that we read for the show where when you talk about the podcast to people who don't listen to it, they're like, what's a book you've read recently that's like pretty good like, mm-hmm. or like made a fun episode? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones in the last like two years, two or three years has been like, you right, go check out that one. Let's see how long it's been since we read Mexican it was Gothic. Episode because two years doesn't sound so maybe Okay, 2021. So that was two years ago. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you can go back and take a look at that one. Okay. Or give it a listen, rather. I mean, you could look at it too, but it wouldn't really. Just put it on a flash drive and stare at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was excited to give this book a read because I had I was not the one who read Mexican Gothic, and 
I read a decent portion of it before we recorded last week's show, but not. I, I wasn't halfway, so it was mm-hmm. kind of neat to know what the original was a bit more as I tackled like the back half of the book. Have it kind of recontextualized as you're experiencing. Yeah. It. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we since we talked about we talked about Mariano Garcia on the Mexican Gothic episode, we won't go all the way into her bio again this time, but some things that I think are relevant to our discussion. Um, so she is just a baseline Mexican Canadian author born in 1981. Yeah. And I already said the Me- Mexican Gothic thing. That was my next big thing. <laughs> Something that she takes a lot of pleasure in is genre hopping. Ooh. Uh, we've we've done both of the books of hers that we've done in the context of Spooktober, but just for an example, the book she did immediately after Mexican Gothic was called Velvet Was the Night, and it was a 70s noir novel. <laughs> Whoa. And she just acknowledges that, you know, if people are coming to the bookstore and buying a book because it has her name on it, they are they are maybe setting themselves up for some confusion and disappointment because she's <laughs> not always writing about the same thing. This is from, so she wrote this piece for the LA times. Oh, um, a uh, published says, writer. You say she, yes, she, she wrote, well, I mean, sometimes you'll get like a, an interview yeah. for a, for a newspaper. And in this one, it was like, well, let me interview myself by just writing this piece <laughs> about my process and how I think about, books and stuff. Uh, she says, I often get asked why I write across genres. Truth be told, I get quickly bored and switching categories helps me focus again. At a deeper level, I like the challenge of having to chameleon myself into a different kind of writer. She's talking like broadly in the context of Mexican Gothic being this big sleeper hit of hers and like the logical thing to do would be to write a sequel or a prequel. Yeah. When she was getting started, like in addition to the uh, lightly to like moderately racist uh, sub, like insinuations that maybe she would do better if she would change her name. Mm. She was also getting a lot of, you know, what people want is they want you to write like a trilogy of something. Oh, sure. And like maybe you could set it in New York City. I don't know. Just spitball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And she, and she didn't want to do that. Um, and she didn't want to write. She wanted, she didn't want to be pigeonholed. Um and she says, I'm determined to continue my genre shifting. After all, I could have changed my name when I was starting out. I could have become Sylvia Brown and set my work in New York City and written a trilogy, but I didn't. I decided I wanted to molt and evolve into myself, not become a stranger. So hello, I'm Sylvia, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, and I write books. What type of books? That's a good question. End of end of piece. That is a good question. <laughs> um, about this book specifically. So you mentioned it being a what what did you say reimagining I of am the choosing of Dr. the Moreau? word reimagining mm-hmm. because it is not a sequel it's not a squeakquel it's not a squeakquel it's mm-hmm. not a spookquel mm-hmm. um she is taking the premise of the original story which as we now know um, thank you, Andrew. Because we talked about last yeah. week. Is there's... Scholars have recently discovered that this is what the book, <laughs> The Island of Dr. Moreau, is about. There is a French doctor with some wacky ideas about uh, human-animal uh, creations. Well, he was English in the... His last name is Moreau. Yeah, but he's English. Oh, he's a Frenchman in this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, All right, that's fine. And he, you know, 
he's going to do some stuff that's going to create some creatures that are like a mix of animal and man as we understand them. And it's shocking to your sensibilities and it, you know, reveals something about the humans in the story. That's kind of like the baseline that you're working with here. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is interested in grounding it in a specific but very different point in history. Because as I recall from the original novel, like, we had a conversation about, like, where it fit into history and stuff like that. But, like, Wells mm-hmm. was just like, I don't know, what if there was a guy on an island and he did stuff? Yeah, he was he was writing about stuff that was kind of happening around him, but he he didn't set out to, like capture a a moment or anything like that yeah so just reading this novel in 2023 it's just interesting that it is a period piece so she has made all the decisions about where to set it in on the yucatan Um, all pieces become period pieces eventually yeah that's something to keep in mind i I just mean that the writer embarked on it as a period yeah no i i understand i'm being being, i'm being stupid (laughs) which is the my role this um, week you read the book, so you're this. You have the smart hat and, on, and I have the the dunce cap. And she is way, she's way interested. That's a fun <laughs> thing to say. Um, in a character of her own creation, which is the daughter of Doctor Moreau, this woman named mm-hmm. Carlotta, um, and how she fits into Moreau's work. And uh, there's a lot of stuff about you know, the history of the Yucatan and about class and about paternalism um, that is just not on the table in the original novel. It's just literally not a thing H.G. Wells, a white British man, is interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she takes the basics of what if a guy did stuff with animals and she has a lot of other stuff to talk about. Because that's part that's part of the thing about the first book, right? Is that Moreau is doing this in a way that is somehow completely bereft of any specific agenda. Like yeah. he's just kind of doing it to see if he can do it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, assigning some kind of atten- intent or uh, like wider context to it is is interesting. Two things I'll say about her decision to like adapt wells things that she said in an Mm, interview that she did with the millions uh she says and this is you mentioned the you know taking this old white male canon thing and like refocusing it on another group of people yeah including you know women and and non-white people so that that's part of it uh she also says one of the things that interested me interested me about Wells is that he is one of the progenitors of modern science fiction. He helped the genre take shape, but the genre is still very malleable. He wrote what were then called scientific romances. Uh, the term science fiction hadn't been coined yet. And a lot of the tropes and the forms of the genre that we've come to rely on, they're still in the future. Because of this, I think 19th century literature can transcend boundaries. It can get messy. Um, then she says, I like grounding my work in historical fact because uh, this is of the the decision to shift it over to uh, Yucatan and, and to have this like cast war be yeah. part of the background of it. I like grounding my work in historical fact because the truth can be surreal. You can't quite believe the things you find in footnotes. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
It's a time when Great Britain is supporting the Maya rebels because it benefits their interest in British Honduras, and the peninsula is essentially divided in two. This is also a time of great scientific discoveries and great quandaries. You have the rise of eugenics, you have vivisection happening at the same time, people who are figuring out ways to save lives and stop the spread of diseases. So a lot of good good and bad things. A study in contrasts, you <laughs> might say. time period? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the... I don't know much about Mexican history, so it was kind of like as I encountered um, her introduction of the of the cast war of the Yucatan, and like th- these Maya rebels and them standing up against the Mexican government, but they're getting aid maybe from the British, and it's like mm-hmm. I literally had never been taught any of that stuff, and it's not a place I sought further study in in like college or anything like that. So yeah, and I don't know what the I mean education in America right now really uh, yeah it's got some not holes a, not not a fun topic to talk about all the time but you know us being in school in like the the 90s and into the early 2000s like even the 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 colonization of America is not something that we were like fully no. talking about in a way that you and I have come to like understand it now the the way that I hope schools are talking about it a little bit more now but like, <laughs> yeah, we, we do not know everything about, like, how colonization affected our own country. And so we have not, like, I, I have not had the time to internalize the way, the many, many complicated ways that it affected other countries. I don't you know, know if, I, mean? I don't know if you read the LA Review of Books review of this, Andrew. Mm-mm, I don't think I did. Um, there's a line in there somewhere. It is called, the title of the review, if people want to go look it up, The Daughter Displaces the Island on Sylvia Moreno Garcia's Daughter, Dr. Moreau by D. Harlan Wilson. And... There's a quote here just talking about Wells and like Wells' sci-fi and like you you do in fact have to hand it to him that he did like create a <laughs> bunch of sci-fi, right? Um, but then you look at all of it and the phrase that the author uses is um, you see him project Englishness onto the entire world, treating mm-hmm. it as a matter of course. The effect is a colonization of narrative worlds with an English affect. So like sci-fi as a genre uh, like has a Britishness to it by virtue mm-hmm. of just being birthed out of this one guy's head for the most mm-hmm. part. Sure. Um, and like to Moreno Garcia's point, like let's say, okay, that guy had a cool idea, but let's take it to where th- that's not where he is from. And like, mm-hmm. let's put it somewhere else and let's steep it in history and let's have a main character. That's a woman. And let's just do all the things he didn't do with his core premise. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just I I found that a very straightforward and concise way to like why you might revisit a text like this in this manner because mm-hmm. um, I you know she's not doing a sequel she's not like what if this minor character had their own book like that's right not yeah what she's like doing. like when I saw knowing nothing else about the book I think you brought the brought this up originally in our in our like Maybe. show planning. Yeah discussion but seeing seeing the name of the book i assumed that like dr moreau just like had a daughter who was like living back wherever dr moreau was from and mm. this was going to be some kind of i don't know story where you would find out about her and like how she felt about her dad's work and maybe she like continues it or does something else with like 
I was expecting a, a sequel because you hear daughter and you're like, oh, this is the, you know, this is the next generation. You know, this is like Captain <laughs> Picard. What's he doing? No, and I so just not, kind he's of, on the holodeck making pigs into people. <laughs> anytime you mentioned it on mic, I kind of refused to correct you because I didn't want to spoil mm-hmm. it. But that's yeah. not what it is at all. That's that's cool. That's pretty cool. So find out after the break what it is. Let's take a break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Andrew, you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? I never don't feel like that. (laughs) You ever feel like you're so wound up with your 19th century hybrid science that you just can't sleep? All the time. <laughs> Maybe you, you know, you know what you should say to your daughter about your plans for the future of your mm-hmm. hybrids and your island. And you, and she keeps asking what happens to the dog, and you don't want you just keep putting it off because you yeah. don't want to talk about no, it. You don't okay. want to talk about it. You just can't <laughs> do it. Well, listen, therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and kind of break you out of that uh, cycle where your brain is just all up in your business. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills how to set boundaries, empowering you to be the best version of yourself. I know a lot of people who have benefited greatly from taking the time to sit and talk with someone about what's going on in their life. Uh, So if you're thinking about trying therapy, give it a shot with BetterHelp. It's all online and easily suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch at no time, uh, at any time for no charge. You can do it at any time or no time. I don't know. In no time, probably. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash overdue today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash overdue. Craig, you don't need to go to an island to experiment on great ways to make a good website. (laughs) Where do I go? That's because this week's episode of Overdue is brought to you by Squarespace. It's a website that helps you make websites. They give you beautiful drag and drop templates, easy to use tools, and 24-7 customer support, among many other things that will help you sculpt your perfect website like a mad scientist trying to sculpt a boy out of a pig. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let me tell you about some things I like about Squarespace. Please. Number one, here it comes. You, You hear it sloshing? Around. It's the flu. It's the fluid engine. It's the next generation website design system from Squarespace. It's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity, just like Dr. Moreau. Oh, God. Start with a best in class website website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop <laughs> technology for desktop or mobile. Okay. Squarespace also has powerful blogging tools you can use to share stories, photos, videos, and updates about your evil experiments. Well, I mean, let's not make a moral judgment. They could be any kind of experiment. Let history judge me. Categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. And you can also use insights from analytics to grow your business. Learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. Craig, if this sounds good to you, you can go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
Okay, Andrew, when we talked about the OG Moreau, mm-hmm. we did remark on the fact that like it it didn't keep the the humanimals secret for too long. No, no. I mean I'm knowing kind of what to expect going in, they'd start dropping hints like almost immediately as to like what's sure. going on with these these things. But you do get the you're making animals into people like the, the out and out like monologue revelation of what Dr. Moreau is doing like pretty early into the book, like no, no more than like a third ish of the way. Yeah. And I don't think mm-hmm. so this book, uh, which alternates chapters between the titular daughter of Dr. Moreau, Carlotta mm-hmm. and uh, Montgomery, uh, Montgomery mm-hmm. Lawton, who is a reimagined uh, Montgomery from the original book. Version of the sad al- alcoholic guy. He is a sad alcoholic book. guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a sad alcoholic British guy who mm-hmm. works uh, on this, you know, hacienda on this property uh, for Dr. Moreau. But the, f- the first third of the book, eh, maybe not even third, but the first part of the book, because it's divided into three parts, um, is him coming to uh him being montgomery excuse okay. me mm-hmm. him coming to um this place called Yashaktun, which is the property that moreau lives on as we've alluded to the yucatan is uh, a peninsula not an island yeah. um but as morena garcia notes in the in the afterward it had ever been kind of it had it had been drawn on maps as an island ever and mm-hmm. it does just feel like a little separated from the rest of, you know, mainland Mexico. So Sure. Um and so the first part of this book is Montgomery coming to uh Yashaktun and being introduced to Moreau's whole deal cuz he's going to be the mayor domo there or, you know, the major domo, whichever way you would like to pronounce it. Um he's going to work there. He's going to be the guy okay. in charge of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is the first paragraph of the book I'm going to read to you real quick. They'd be arriving that day, the two gentlemen, their boat gliding through the forest of mangroves. The jungle teemed with noises, birds crying out in sonorous discontent as if they could foretell the approach of intruders. In their huts behind the main house, the hybrids were restless. Even the old donkey eating its corn seemed peevish. And I was like, the hybrids? The hybrids? Hmm. Okay. So, page one, paragraph one, there are hybrids. What kind? You're going to find out. But if you have ever heard of Dr. Moreau, (laughs) you are familiar. Yeah. Yeah, you know what he did. You know what he... Yes, you do know what he did. You know what he did. So, like, Carlotta and Montgomery are the main characters of this book. Carlotta is, I think in this first part, she's like, 14 or 15 maybe 13 and then in this rest of the book she's like 1920 mm-hmm. uh and she she is the doctor's daughter uh not by merit not in wedlock okay so but but like conceived in the traditional way with another person and not like sculpted out of out of a well, uh, she's got a blood condition, Andrew, that he okay. 
uh, used the gemules of a jaguar. The gemules, you say? Yeah, I'd never <laughs> encountered the word gemule before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just looking it up now. Um, from Oxford, it is a tough-coated, dormant cluster of embryonic cells produced by a freshwater sponge for development in more favorable conditions. I think it's just like okay. you know Sounds cells. Fake. It's just a cool timey-wimey word for tiny science bits. I think mm-hmm. in okay. this. So a, ge- a gemule. The way it the way it functions. I'm familiar in this with book. I'm familiar with globules. I know about some of the sure, but. It, it is kind of. I don't remember you saying exactly what the language was like in H in the Wells version, but it's sort of like this is the essence of a thing is is its little gemules. You can and maybe you can like put them in a dish together and combine. Okay, them and never, it never really mentioned about the the essence of a thing. I think vivisection is the the closest you get to a bona fide sciencey word. Sure, in the island of sure. Doctor Moreau. Um. So she lives there with him. His actual wife and daughter had died. I don't remember if it was that his his wife died in childbirth. She had some sort of congenital disease that okay. led to her dying. Mm-hmm. And um, early in the book, we're told that, you know, well, he took a mistress and he's got Carla- Carlotta here with him. And she lives on his property, and she is friendly with the hybrids, and uh, is friendly with the housekeeper. And that's so like how that. how directly and frequently are we interacting with the hybrids if they have like their own little like shorthand name that you're referring to them as? Well, it takes a while for the characters that like the way that the book, if it were a movie, like for things to happen on screen, for it to be like these are hybrids. So like. Mm-hmm. Early on, there are scenes where Carlotta is playing with two ki- two younger kids, Lupe and Cachito, mm-hmm. and uh, they're both younger than her. So you're like, oh, maybe they're Ramona, the housekeeper's kids. Like, Marina Garcia is pretty nonspecific about them, other than that, like they are learning from Carlotta. Uh, later, you learn, like, you get the description of them that they are both hybrids, and they like have you know pointed ears and they have fur and they mm-hmm. have you know can have claws and things like that the classic dr moroian yeah i believe creatures. so like, i don't think dr moro ever made like children yeah i think every everything that dr moro ever made is even when it seems like it's physically s- smaller in size is not yeah they, it's it's never really you you don't really encounter kids or things that are and perceived as children and they don't have the um i presume that they probably will moreau as moreau talks about them they don't have some of the like um maladies that all of the hybrids have it's like similar to the wells one where like they're you know their joints are always in pain. They've got mm-hmm. weird teeth issues. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna die. They're not gonna live a long life. Like they're gonna have heart problems and die, or like their skin's gonna fall. Like just like <laughs> the they have an expiration date. Some of them do. Mm-hmm. And the these two children, as as he talks about them later in the book, he's like they're better than the other. I made better ones. But they were like definitely created and not the like the progeny of no of correct. Previously. They were created. Okay. Yes. Right. Um, the first part of the book 
concerns Montgomery coming to Yashak Toon, meeting Carlotta. He had a sister who died. He had a wife that left, a wife Fanny that left him. Um, he had a dad who abused him and through his gemules gave him alcoholism. I get, like it's a <laughs> you know, family affair is the way that it's kind of talked about. Um, and so he's, and he's spent like years in British Honduras, AKA Belize, uh, just kind of being in debt and working on stuff. And then he gets hired by this guy, Hernando Lazalde, um, who is the bank roller for Dr. Moreau. Okay. Technically he owns the property of Yashik Toon. And, uh, so he is hired uh, Montgomery to be the mayor domo for Dr. Moreau because the previous one is gone. Mm-hmm. So he has to like, he's like, listen, you you don't have any family and nobody loves you, so you're not going <laughs> to tell anyone about Dr. Moreau and his stuff. Okay. Also, you have a mountain of debt that I own, so you're going to work here forever. Okay. Or or whatever. Um, and get ready to meet you know these hybrids he learns about them actually uh by seeing um uh, like a pig thing in a box there's like a pig thing in a box a pig thing the creature inside the box had the body and size of a large hog but its limbs were all wrong and instead of hooves it was developing fingers thin protuberances of flesh its head also looked misshapen squashed it had no ears and its eyes were closed it was asleep, suspended in a murky substance that could not be water, but instead resembled a film or mucus, and the same mucus Ugh. covered its mouth. So it's in like a box womb or something. And it's like pig ba- pig based, pig derived. This one is you learn like, we I've I have forked a pig <laughs> yeah. to my GitHub and I've created this new thing. Moreau um all of his hybrids are like grown in the wombs of pigs initially. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. all pigs. There are other creatures are involved. Sure. Um, I mean, you can't have all pigs. Can't can't have oops all pigs. But they it's not this kind of vague Okay, it is not he takes an animal and vivisects it until it can walk mm-hmm. and like have r- weird religion, right? Instead, (laughs) he takes the gemules of an animal, splices it with, it does stuff to it to make it somewhat human, puts it in a hog, and then puts it in his womb box, and then it grows into a humanimal um, that can then have religion. (laughs) Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know, like I I feel like the understanding of science in HG Wells' time would not have extended to this kind of stuff. No. Like, you had to you had to take a thing that was already alive and you had to chop and screw it until it was whatever weird dog man that you wanted it to be. You could not test to grow a, you could not grow man, a yeah. grow a dog man that yeah. you had conceived yes okay. so, so that is how this is working and of course hernando lazalde like has seen this before like he's aware of the of the pig creatures sure because the bankrolling guy and this mm-hmm. is like this is my first like whoa she's doing something different is he is bankrolling moreau 
because he needs workers on his hacienda plantations. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> because the Maya have launched a rebellion because they were basically indentured like servants. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to do that anymore, so they're mm-hmm. rebelling. And this guy doesn't want to hire in Italians or folks well, from for, China. I mean, t- t- or... Italians for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the name check there was kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. But he is talking also about like uh, the slave trade is over. Whoops. Or, you know, what I heard one guy hired people from China and it didn't work out. And it's like you're just hire you're just like forcing different people into indentured servitude. Yeah, in a way, I find it kind of optimistic that Moreno Garcia is like, yeah, okay, I've run out of ethnicities to exploit. I'm going to grow my own well men in a, in and I'll exploit I, them, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that. That is what this book is up to. It is taking colonialism and what it does to personhood. And what it, you know, how you have to dehumanize the people you're you're colonizing, Colonizing, excuse me, um, and says, well, what if we just made people who didn't have anything and we could exploit them too? And we, but they're not people, they're just animals, they're human animals, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, that's what the book is up to on that front. Um, I will say, Save for like some interactions with Lupe, and then like we'll talk about Carlotta a bunch. The book is not, we don't get a lot of screen time with the hybrids, okay. even though when we do meet them, like they have names, they have lives, and etc. Do they have weird religion that we that we encounter, they, or is that not really explored? They appear to just be whatever version of christian that moreau is i'm not sure if he's catholic um but he does I'm just not sure what like religious worldview supports that supports the well, creation of weird animal people he holds like i think i don't remember if he holds services on saturday or sunday but he holds weekly services where he reads to them from the bible about suffering and Jeez. about like uh you know jesus suffering for the rest of us and stuff and how like all of their pain is for the good of you know the rest of the world kind of stuff. Yes, I, I just imagine like he's having the he's had the idea to make animal human animals. Oh well, God gave him it, that idea and that power, so that's why they should respect okay. And, him. And he's just like you know. he's just like paging through the Bible and and kind of Air Bud esque. Yeah. Like, well, there ain't no rule says I can't make a <laughs> make a wolf into a guy, so I guess I'll just do it. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. There is a there is a version of the house of pain in this book. Uh, it's a small hut that has a donkey skull in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it has a donkey skull in it, but it does. And one character does get punished in there. Um, and Lupe, the, the younger, you know, girl hybrid that Carlotta's friends with kind of likes going in there and just like mm-hmm. vibing with the donkey skull <laughs> as like a religious <laughs> experience. It rem- yeah, it's kind of it's not a big part of the book, but I think you have to like you can't ignore the religious part of stuff in this book, so it's worth no. bringing up. I mean, they don't have hot topics yeah. in 
Yucatan in the no. like the eighteen seventies, eighteen seventies. Yeah. Okay, and so if you just want to go into a building that has a lot of skulls in it, you had to <laughs> you had to figure out something else. That is true. Yeah, I don't recall any wallet chains in this mm-hmm. hut. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Though. Yeah, they have a donkey skull, and they have a whole wall of fungo pops in this <laughs> in the house of pain. What Lupe says about hanging out with the donkey skull, uh, she's talking to Carlotta. You asked me a few times why I liked going to the hut with the donkey skull rather than the chapel. I think it was because I thought a more truthful God lived there than the God your father spoke about. Your father said God willed him to right the mistakes of nature by fashioning our flesh and gifted us pain. But that must be a cruel God who would do such a thing. He held that Bible up and read from it, but I don't think he knew the words. Mm -hmm. So there's... You know, there's something other than I think Moreno Garcia is definitely including and and riffing on that aspect from the original because of the way that religion has been used by, you know, colonizing forces like that's just what right. she's interested in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, OK, so the first part, Montgomery is like, oh, I guess I got to work here. I guess there's a pig man in a box. Oh, boy, I guess I got to work here now and just live with it. Six year time skip. He's there. Okay. He's just been doing it. Mm-hmm. And the hybrids respect him. His One of the reasons he got hired is because he once hunted a jaguar and lived. And Moreau needs jaguars because the gemules <laughs> of the jaguar were important for Carlotta. Mm-hmm. So he has this, you know, I need a guy who can deal with jaguars. Um and it's fine if he's a drunk because that means he's probably not going to get up to too much like actual trouble. Yeah, or, sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's, his funding is going to run out. Like it's <laughs> it's like make animals into weird people. Grant is going to be up. Yeah, because none of the animals, <laughs> none of the human animals are in good enough shape to go off and become workers. So like, yeah, right. Like he's he's failed in his in his quest to, to make a new class of people to exploit. Well, and he tells us later in the book that that wasn't even really his quest. His quest was. His wife died. This is like, remember when I referenced like Dr. Freeze last week? Like, yeah, he does have a wife who died from a medical condition mm-hmm. and he would really like to be able to, he's like motivated by fi- wanting to fix that and make. And sure. he's like, the only way to fix that is to make, make dogs into guys. Well, the only <laughs> way to fix that is to. You know, see what else nature has to offer. Um, and and this, so this is okay. <laughs> and the only way, and he, what does he say? He says he was kicked out of France for his, oh my God, I have the quote. Where is it? He says he was, my experiments were too esoteric and wild to be understood in Paris, he says. Uh huh. So he had to come to Mexico uh, where he could maybe find some other funding and that's how he wound up at Yashik Tune. Okay. So there's a big reveal about that that I don't want to spoil just yet. I just if you're gonna be a mad scientist, you gotta be independently wealthy. Like I don't know. That's I don't a know. problem for him. Yeah. You you can't you can't have to ask for money for somebody else because 
either they're going to have terms for what success is that are really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> or you're not going to be horrible enough and you're going to run out of money. So the sub it's not even a subplot. An animating the B, force the B story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an animating force in the book is okay, in the in the second part of the book, the son of Hernando Lizalde, Eduardo Lizalde. So there is no Prendrick, what was that guy's name? Prendick. Prendick. There is no Prendick in this in this book. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was wondering was going to happen. If we're going to get like a shipwrecked outsider who's like, what's going on here? Does mm-hmm. not happen. The closest mm-hmm. is Eduardo Lizalde and his cousin um, Isidro show up. Mm-hmm. I think Edward is the yeah. first name yeah. of Prendick. So I think I, it's a yes, reference, it's, but it, yes. uh, he is not quite meant to be the same from what I could tell. Yeah. He shows up and they're like, what are you doing here? Did you? Does your dad know you're here? And he's like, "No, I kind of <laughs> wanted to just show up and see what's going on." Um, worth noting, there is very low grade sexual tension between Montgomery and the now, uh, you know, very young adult Carlotta. Uh huh. Um, she is a young adult. She's like nineteen twenty. That's mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Uh-huh. Um. But like she doesn't really seem that into him. He's just kind of a sad man who's maybe yeah, he's a sad. Her. He's a sad alcoholic. Um, Eduardo, who's hot, and his cousin Isidro nice. show up, and they're just like, "Can you just like show us around? Like, <laughs> hey, lady, you're hot. Like, I know your dad works here. You run a sanatorium for sick people. Like, that's your story, right?" And they're like, yeah, but please don't go over that behind that wall. Like they all, they're all over there, and they're all sick. Please no, don't, don't go in the build. Don't go in the building where we keep the the weirdos. Please don't go the, over the, there. The abominations. Please don't. Yes. Um, Montgomery knows once these guys arrive. Moreau tells him he's like, huh, the hot sun is here. Interesting. The hot sun. What I'm gonna need to marry her to someone with money. So that I can continue my experiments. <laughs> so maybe she'll just fall for him and they'll get married and then I'll get all the rest of my boss's money through his son. Uh-huh. That sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Montgomery doesn't... Taking, taking a long view of his his weird experiments. Yep. <laughs> okay. Montgomery doesn't like that plan for two reasons. One, he thinks it's kind of busted. And two, he does, seem, he does care for and has some form of a, of a thing for Carlotta. Uh-huh, sure. So um so he's like jealous as Eduardo is like you know Carlotta invites them to go down to the cenote which is one of those like cool like like pits of water like it's not like a little lake it's like almost you see some sometimes they're in caves like the limestone collapses and like water, water okay. comes sure. in you know mm-hmm. um He's like, let's go down to the cenote, and like Montgomery's like, well, I'll come too, and they're like, you are, uh, you are not invited, buzzkill. <laughs> um, and so he like is kind of sparring with Carlotta the whole time about whether or not you know she should be independent and whatever she's doing. Um, I didn't mention this up top, and I'll, I'll keep going in the plot, but like the chapters alternate POV between Carlotta and Montgomery. Sometimes Marina Garcia will double back and like give you the other version of what just happened. Mm -hmm. She doesn't always do that. It's kind of, uh, 
at a macro level, I found it pretty elegant when she's like, I am going to redo that day with this character. And in sometimes she's like, no, nah, I can just skip ahead and you're, and you're with me. She's not like dogmatic about it. Is there any pattern to that or is she just kind of does what seems like it feels it's like usually what, what she seems to think is best for that part of the story it's exactly that it's usually okay. just right. like if they were together she's doing it to give you a little bit of like in carlotta's head being like oh montgomery mm-hmm. if they were apart it's to you know kind of help explain why they were apart and then sometimes okay. she's just like no they're together and the plot is moving forward i don't care sure um so she kind of feels like she is into Eduardo, Montgomery's acting very jealous. Montgomery and Carlotta spar a little bit uh, at night after, like, you know, Montgomery drinks with the hybrids and Carlotta shows up and he's like, you shouldn't be drinking with the hybrids. That's kind of strange. Uh, and the two Lazalda guys are like, hey, you, sh- hey, get your hand off her, Montgomery. Like, why are you upset? And they start fighting him because uh, he's drunk and he's like, why not? Why not fight? Yeah. Uh, and Kachicho just appears out of nowhere because he's a hybrid and bites mm-hmm. a guy. Oh, no. He bites uh, Isidro and they're like, oh, man, there are animal people here. We had no idea. Okay. Yeah. Because now that, now that an animal person is doing kind of an animally thing yeah. to ask whether that like part of the one of the hallmarks of the animal human creatures in the original book is that they'd sort of degenerate over time back to something more animally and, and it doesn't sound like no. so far does not sound like that's something if it is happening that this book is interested in exploring much. no she is interested in the the hybrid or the animal status as another marginalized people uh-huh. more than she is as a like a degeneration of humanhood mm-hmm. um because and this will this will kind of fast forward. This this is where we're gonna spoil some stuff. But okay. if you're reading this book and this really sounds like a spoiler to you, after you know, if you brave going into spoiler territory, mm-hmm. um, none of it feels like a spoiler. It's like, oh, that's a, <laughs> okay. That's just how she decided to make that choice. Um, you know, she gets close with Eduardo. Uh, we, you know she gets kind of upset a few times and like faints and maybe uh, you see her eyes twinkle in a way that you're like, well, that kind of, at one point Montgomery is like, that looked like a Jaguar's eyes. And you're like, what? (laughs) And he's like, what kind of effect could her blood treatments have had? You're like, interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the dad, Hernando, the boss man shows up um, because Isidro sent him a letter uh, that like, Hey, I don't think that Eduardo should be messing around with this girl. This seems all like a bad situation. And he's like, "Hey, um I found out from Dr. Moreau's assistant, uh his previous assistant that uh this he's not her dad. She's a Jaguar girl. He oh, no. made her from a Jaguar." Oh no. And uh you slept with her? That's messed up. Let's get out of <laughs> here. Okay. And so that creates this ticking clock for like the final third of the book that's kind of more action-y where the Lizaldes are going to come back. They're going to demand that Moreau shut down all of his stuff um, because someone on the property has been aiding the Maya rebels. Mm -hmm. And 
one or two of the hybrids are like, what if we just left and joined the rebels? Like, what if we just pieced out of here? This place kind of blows. And what if we went off and like Carlotta's like, I don't know. We could just stay on our land. I don't know. Like, she's very stressed about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so f- you get like three different layers of the confession over the course of the back half of the book where Moreau is like, yeah, I wanted to fix, I wanted to do research on my wife's congenital heart thing or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I found a lady that, you know, I just kind of paid her and put the Jaguar gemules in her and made you. And then she died. So I've never done that again, <laughs> which is Can why it. I grow everyone out of pigs now. But you're mm-hmm. the perfect one because you came uh-huh. out of a lady. And I thought that maybe if I just used Jaguars, it would get better. But no, I guess it was needed to be a lady. Okay. That's not, it doesn't seem very efficient. If no. You're trying to, if you're trying to, to uh, scale up manufacturing so that you can, can make these people at scale, it seems like you've pretty you've bad. Not, Pretty yeah. bad. Um, and he, he cops to the fact that all of his controls on the hybrids and on her, because he has been claiming to give her like regular blood treatments to keep her like healthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just giving them lithium or morphine, you know. Okay. Sure. I mean, just, that's what medicine was just in the 1870s, basically. But he, he had this like... You know, there was this belief that he was also giving the hybrids like some sort of like hybrid medicine that kept them going. Mm -hmm. And that's all false. That's that's Mm -hmm. just a lie that he made up so that he could keep doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And so she she comes to the realization that she's a hybrid. Uh, The way it works for her is that when she gets kind of angry or upset is like she becomes a bit more of a cat person and becomes <laughs> strong and gets claws. And this is kind of a comic book kind of thing. Yeah. It is. So the other, so she realizes that her dad has like lied to her about who she is and that um, the language that Moreau uses about her is that she's a great project. All kids are projects that never end. <sighs> okay. Mm hmm. It's not it's not as wrong as it could be. <laughs> yeah. She when she what really seals the deal for her on that front, I don't remember if she hears him say that specifically, is when she is going through his notes because she was like trying to find the formula that could keep the hybrids healthy away from mm-hmm. Yashak Tune. And there's nothing about her like as a person. There's only entries about her like as an experiment. So his science has like dehumanized all the like herself and all these people that she knows and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she also realizes uh, when Eduardo and his family come back and they're like, there's a whole hybrid fight sequence that's ha- happening up the road. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you could, you could be here with me. I mean, I won't, I'm not going to marry you. I'm, you're going to be my mistress, but like, it's going to be a great deal. Like we can just hang out. Yeah. And she, comes into you know an understanding of like a world where a man is just going to keep her like a doll and not actually treat her like a person um and then when that becomes violent she becomes a real jaguar lady and there's like a there's like a whole there's people are dying people are getting shot because they're fighting off of the lazaldis and their men Mm -hmm. and she has to fight eduardo like directly uh and here's what it looks like andrew her her jaw unhinged 
tendon straining, she growled low and harsh right before she bit into his face. Her teeth felt bigger, her mouth was full of blades, and he screamed as she took a chunk of him and spat it out, throwing her head back, then slashing at his face and throat with her claws. She ceased to be Carlotta and became fear, became anger, became death, became fur and fang and fury. She slashed and she bit and she tore apart. Jeez. So she... Maria Garcia isn't like, and then she used wild shape to become a cat lady. It's more just like, it is that thing that she can get away with by combining genre and like a little bit of elevated literary writing where it's like, she's just a a cat powerful version of herself. Mm -hmm. She has become, you know, activated. Yeah. um, And... The denouement of the book is that, you know, she finds a way to get Moreau's uh, inheritance from his French family who was never going to give it to him because he was so esoteric and wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's going to use it to create a haven for the hybrids. But we never see that happen. And so it's this kind of like, well, can she make that happen? If she does, what would it look like? Um where would they go? How would she even find them? That sort of thing. Sure. So it's it's interesting. I dug it. <laughs> I did kind of wish there was more hybrids in it. Like we spend time with, with Lupe and Cachito, but like the book is pretty keen to tell you that they, you know, even though they, they definitely are hybrids, like because they're quote unquote more finished i get Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. we don't get as much of the like guy off with the folks who are suffering because they're hybrids i think some of that is is also moreno garcia like not wanting to to do the horror thing as much with this book like i think if you were it's in there it's in there but it's it's, it's, it's in there but yeah it's it's not she's trying not to, not to get pigeonholed she's trying not to do like a bunch of genre stuff so yeah it makes sense that even though this is probably closer to mexican gothic than that like noir thing that she she yeah, wrote yeah yeah she's not as interested in exploring the like here's a guy doing horrible experiments to things angle of it as she is in a bunch of other stuff she's really interested in it as a like parents and children and you can you can make that a metaphor for colonialism or vice versa mm-hmm. and also for how men treat women and it's just a lot of like she found a bunch of resonances through through like character work that i don't think is what the original is interested like the original did not sound like there were there was like deep rich characters that wells was interested in sure um she really seemed kind of focused on that. And then there's also the like the historical backdrop, which is mostly there to make, I, I think, and I, you tell me a little bit about it in a second because I know you did mm-hmm. a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what it's serving in the novel is like some like class solidarity a little bit with the hybrid, like this kind of like really dehumanized worker class and w- these marginalized folks that the the landowners are, are exploiting. And so then like that moves this like 
extra level of threat plot forward because it's not just going to be the hybrids rise up against Moreau. Like, that's not what the book is about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to have some sort of external threat, which is also kind of a version of a colonizing threat and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't Mm -hmm. really know anything about this conflict. And it's you don't need to to read the book. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I only have the most high level understanding. Sure, yeah, of it. and it's and we've already just kind of discussed what I know about it already. Is that you have like the native Maya people in this in this area who have been transformed, like over over the course of the early nineteenth century, get changed by so this is like the late colonial and then are like into the early independence period of of, of Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Um, and there are like laws that are passed that, that further incentivize this sort of, uh, subjugation of the, of the Maya people to the point that by the 1850s, like most of them are working on these haciendas, they're like working the, the fields. And then, yeah, the UK to destabilize <laughs> this government starts like providing them arms and things go kind of south from there. So it's, it's. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to oh, add no, on that front, but we've it, kind of talked. Yeah, it's interesting that there is this British character Montgomery who's just like wholly disconnected from that relationship. It is interesting that the hybrids find kinship with the rebels, and we do meet a f- like one or two of the rebels. Um, because the rebel, the rebels are mostly at the bottom of this. It's a, it's a one, two, three. Like four or five, like five or six level caste system. Oh, sure. Where you've got uh, people who were born in Spain or at the top, and then people of Spanish descent, and then people of like Spanish and mixed descent, but who like present mostly as like Spanish. Oh, neat. Okay. Or, like, white white people, um, and then uh, next descent descendants of the natives who had collaborated with the Spanish conquest, oh, and then at the bottom you get the other native people. My God. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense that the, that the animal folks would find some solidarity with the people at the bottom of that system because there is not, you can't go further down the ladder than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, there is not a cast overthrow of Moreau. There is, uh, Carlotta who gets very upset with him when she learns everything. And like, hurts him but then he has a heart attack because he's been hurt <laughs> mm-hmm. and then ultimately he like has a deathbed confession and then just kind of dies away from the stress of it all so it's not that the hybrids got mad at him or you know things turned violent because they were reverting into animals they're just like there are enough of them they're like what if we just left yeah and we know some people who might be receptive if we went there Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just a very different take on what folks in that situation could do. Sure. Um, and and it also allows. Car- I think a lot of it is just because like the hybrid stuff in Carlotta, the family stuff in Carlotta, the romance stuff with Eduardo focuses on her. It just like all of the themes of the book are really tied down to her. So like the hybrid stuff does na- naturally kind of take a backseat. Sure. Um, and by that I mean like the the culture of the other hybrids, not yeah, yeah, the yeah. concept of it. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I you know, she did a cool book. Yeah, she does those. I've gathered. Yeah, 
I, I still found the particulars of her jaguarness surprising, even though as the book was going on, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dropped a few too many hints to really surprise you by the time it, it by felt, the time she's like tearing a guy's face off. It stopped being hints and more like, I promise I'll play my hit at the end of the concert. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I might play a riff now and then just to like get you ready, but I'm not going to play it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's the book. That's The Daughter of Dr. Moreau. All right. Well, I'm glad that we've we've experienced both of these works now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so if you have an island that you need to tell us about, send us wait, an email. Wait, 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 wait Craig. I wanted to, I oh, wanted to do one last. Please. If you were going to do, if you were going to do just real quick, and maybe you have an idea and maybe you don't, but I had an idea. Okay. If you wanted to do a sort of a spinoff, sort of spiritual sequel, sort of reimagining of the island of Dr. Moreau, do you know what you would do? Because I know what I would do, and oh. I think it would get me in a lot of trouble with uh, lawyers. Uh-oh. <laughs> because, see, I let, let me pitch you on this. It's Please. the island of Professor Moreau. Oh, no. And it is a rogue Pokemon professor who <laughs> has gone to an island and is turning... You know how Meowth talks and all the other Pokemon just say their own names? Yeah. Yeah, Meowth is an experiment from... Is that true? Of, no, oh. I'm just making this up. This is the in-canon, in-fiction in <laughs> reason for there to be an island of Professor Moreau in the Pokemon universe. Okay. He I- works on Pokemon like Dr. Moreau works on animals, and he just like... And, and Meowth can talk, but what's what else is he doing? I do. That would be very scary yeah and he, like can you if that's if this guy caught them all imagine the implications oh no <laughs> when you said professor moreau what mm-hmm. i thought of and this would be mine is some sort like he's running he works at a university <laughs> and he's being persecuted for his ideas so it's a book mm-hmm. about campus cancel culture Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. And he's. I mentioned my weird experiments to a student, and then they got on TikTok about it, and now yes. I'm canceled. And instead of hybrids, he's uh, encouraging debates of where you see both sides that are getting mashed up together. Wow. Okay. This sucks. It's a horror novel. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> All right. Well, those are two very good ideas. Yeah. I think yours would be more like less legally fraud than mine. I feel like I would get Nintendo lawyers. Yours would have more of the classic adventure story in it, though. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some, you know, you could make more movies out of that one than yeah. mine. Well, and then if you see like a really messed up like Charmander or something, Ugh. that's gonna that's gonna stick with you. <laughs> really? Well, okay. Uh, I guess Mr. Mime is from your book. Uh, is what I'm thinking about. Maybe. I mean, who knows what it, who knows what it used to be, oh. Mr. Mime. Oh. Send us an email with your ideas for what Dr. Moreau should do next. Overduepod at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, hit us up on social media thank, uh, at OverduePod. Thanks to Jordan, Tori, Melissa, Emily, Brendan, Robert, and more for reaching out in the past week. Thanks to Nick Larangis, who composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our website. We have up there the the list of books that we are reading for the month. We're about halfway through the month of Spooktober now, but we got several more spooks to spook you with. The one I'm going to spook you with next week is called Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wapgisha Grice. 
other stuff to know about patreon.com slash overdue pods, our Patreon page, support the show financially, help buy us equipment and books and, uh, child care yeah <laughs> and you can get access to our discord community where people are talking about their uh, Baldur's gate three playthroughs yep. uh, <laughs> among many other things uh you can also get access to bonus episodes early and to episodes of our long read projects early we are just wrapping up the sandman by neil gaiman and we are starting in on emily wilson's translation of the iliad super soon which we are looking forward to doing yeah That'll be fun. Well, it it will be rewarding. Mm-hmm. It will be fun to do it. To get, I'm not saying that the the Iliad, the, Iliad, the book, is a laugh a minute. Yeah, sort of thrill, sure. Thrill fest. Yeah, no, but <laughs> <laughs> we will have a good time doing it. Yeah, we will. I think we will. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And until we spook you again next week, please try to be happy. <laughs>